Welcome to the Stock of the Town podcast. This is Karen and John Pendleton with Pendleton's Country Market. We live in the Kansas River Valley, just outside of Lawrence, Kansas, and we've been farming together for over 40 years. We'd love to share information about our farm and our community. Today we have the wonderful opportunity to talk to longtime friend, Dolph Simons, Jr. We've known each other, but what I have great pride in is the fact that our families have known each other and it's a a multi-generational friendship. And and I think I jokingly said one time to you about, I'm sure that my great-grandfather and your grandfather knew each other. and, And my assumption is that they were friends. I hope that they were, but certainly in the more recent history, uh, you and Pam were very good friends with my parents, and, and we are very good friends with Dan and Dolph III, and we are so thrilled <laughs> that you said that you would join us on this podcast. I'm highly complimented to be asked. You have a brand new book that you've been working on for quite some time. I guess I should mention the reason why it is so important that you're here is because former owner, editor, your family had the ownership of the Journal World newspaper for generations. And so a person that's been quite active in the community of Lawrence and very, very well known in the community. Why don't we just start with, if Dolph, if you could just give a little history of your family in Lawrence and how the newspaper got started. My grandfather uh, was born in uh, Owatonna, Minnesota, and uh, his mother, his name was uh, Jenny Bessie, and she uh, decided to uh, take advantage of the opportunity to come to Kansas, and she uh, bought W.C., my grandfather, half interest in a newspaper in a town called Houston, which no longer exists. And he and his brother and stepbrother made a trip to Lawrence and got here on December 15th, 1891. And uh, there were seven or eight papers being published at that time. Memenu Watkins was very well connected. He had a paper that somebody could buy or lease. So W.C. and his brother and Brady, the son-in-law, for $50, took the lease and started a newspaper. Uh, That didn't last too long because Mr. Watkins wanted more control, and W.C. and others said, no, this is going to be an independent paper. And uh, so then three months later, they started their first paper, which was a journal. What Jenny Bessie started at WSC, my grandfather, uh, and then my dad, and now myself. And uh, I've been lucky as hell. Uh, my wife says blessed. We've had a great time. Lawrence is a great place. As a newspaper editor or a publisher, it's pretty hard to uh, not express opinions and kind of dig holes for yourself quite often. But the paper has played, I think, a very important role in the development of Lawrence. The fact that there were eight yeah. newspapers back uh-huh. then. and, and uh, Well, it was a rugged town, and it's been an interesting time. Interesting issues, and the paper has kind of been right in the middle of it. Well, yeah, being able to document history and thinking of all the history that's more recent that we have experienced in our lifetime. And, you know, it's it's wonderful to have that documentation down that somebody actually wrote it down and and saved that for history for people to read in the future and to understand what was the feeling and what 
what was the truth of what was happening back then. That's one of the concerns. Uh, the printed word lasts, and uh, what's happening now with fewer papers, and uh, the historians will say they are able to go back and look at old papers and find out whether it's families or businesses or locations. And uh, the paper that we have today in Lawrence doesn't have anything what the old paper used to have with county meetings, families coming, they entertain so-and-so with a Sunday dinner, or who was here or who was where. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting how history is recalled years or century later without some evidence. Perhaps the electronic versions will survive. Hope so. Well, every morning John comes in and tells me what was in the 150 years ago today column mm -hmm. that Sarah Parsons puts together yes. for the paper now. And of course, many times since his family was here, it's, it'll be something yeah. that or someone that we have heard of through the years and that we find it very interesting and appreciate that. And sometimes she pulls something from the 75 years ago and every once in a while, 50 years ago, and then <laughs> When that happens, I, I think, oh, yeah. We're getting older. <laughs> we, we have I lived, remember that. We have lived history. But um, it's kind of funny because Sarah Parsons knows that I read that. And if she shows up mm -hmm. at Farmer's Market on a Saturday morning, she always has the smile on her face waiting to see which little tidbit that was in the paper am I going to bring up? You know, is it something about the, the dirt roads that needed yes. to be improved? Was it the wooden sidewalks that needed to be improved? Uh, one time there was um, Matilda Poehler, Theodore Poehler's daughter, was was told never to walk on the east, east side, side of, Massachusetts. of Massachusetts Street, that the more appropriate businesses were on the west side. Well, and and uh, that was just kind of interesting. And the east side was the worst place to be because of no air conditioning and the sun. Uh, you wanted to be on the west side. It was on the cooler side of the street. Uh, your stores were, could be cooler. Customers were more likely to come in without the hot sun bearing in on you on the east side. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. As, as simple as how the sun shines on the on the buildings and with the heat that we had this That's last right. week. <laughs> yeah. So you grew up in Lawrence yep. and uh, went to KU. Yes. Okay. I'm guessing you majored in journalism. Yes. I wouldn't do it again, but I did. Well, what would you tell someone who's interested in the media, in communications? What should they go into? And Well, they ought to have a basic knowledge of what libel or slander is and, and what the rules <laughs> of the game are. But I think you need to be more knowledgeable. If you're going to write or speak or whatever it might be, you ought to know what you're talking about so that you command the respect of the people you're visiting with. And so I would take language now, some other languages. I'd take more history. I would take uh, science. I'd take medicine. I'd take government. You can learn the basics. Or you could have a summer job at a newspaper or a radio station or a television station and pick up all of the thing you need. And I think mid-career training is terribly, terribly important. You buy a car, you take it back, occasionally get it fixed up and cleaned up. Uh, how about ourselves? Uh, if we want to be accurate and good and have some reason that people respect us, we ought to know what we're talking about. I agree. Maybe we should start thinking about that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Did you know that Karen's degree was in journalism? No, I didn't. And <laughs> are was, you glad that's that helping you? Well, I, it, it I, you. I use it every day. It was a journalism department, and but it was a public relations mm. degree. Yep. And this morning I wrote a newsletter for our CSA members who get a bag of produce every week. I'll be writing newsletters to all of our other customers to let them know what we have available this week. You know, even posting on Facebook and all the social media. It helps with that to be able to come up with new ideas. How can you look at a subject from a different angle? I uh, worked up at KU for a while when I came here, mm. and um, I gave a lot of workshops on how to do public relations for mm. their departments and that sort of thing. My brother John was a world-class surgeon, and when he was thinking about going into medicine, my wife's father was Mayo asked my parents, well, I know John's smart, I know he's good, but can he communicate? And they said, what do you mean? One of the original Dr. Mayos said, if he's going to go anywhere in advance, he has to know how to communicate, both verbally and in writing. And how he communicates, no matter how good a surgeon he is, will determine how far he advances in the field. And I think just basic communications are so important. Wow, yes. I, I see that every day. Our son, who's an engineer, he has to communicate. He has to communicate, and it's and not all engineers can communicate. But he was in 4-H, so he learned how to do public Good. speaking. My father was <laughs> very much in 4-H. He yes. thought it was great. And you were always so supportive with the paper of the 4-H well, program. I know I was working with the 4-H ambassadors, and when we first started, we came down to the paper and visited with you, and you gave the, the kids a lot of ideas on how they could get stories into the paper and, and uh, supported their fledgling tries at uh, promoting the 4-H program. I think my father was very, very much involved and uh, supportive of the 4-H and, and agriculture. I remember his name being on display at Rock Springs Ranch yeah. and, and the support that, uh, that your family has given to the state 4-H Foundation. He and two or three other men, Carl Menninger and Dad and a few others, tried years and years ago to uh, get the tall grass prairie started. But unfortunately, many of Dad's friends who owned ranches or farms were very much opposed to it. And they didn't want a hot dog stand messing up their prairie. And they, they tried, but uh, it wasn't until much, much later that we got the park down around Cottonwood Falls. Yeah, yeah. We enjoy the Flint Hills. Of course, John and I went to school at K-State, so we were kind of out in the Flint Hills then, and I think we fell in love with Beautiful. it then. But uh, we're quite involved with the, the symphony in the Flint Hills and do the flowers for them every year. And, and you, do, you go there, and it's just the most beautiful open air, fresh air. I've it's a religious there. experience. I've been there a few times. The Flint Hills are pretty, and so are your flowers. <laughs> the, centerpieces, the centerpieces and a lot of the tables are, come right from the Pendletons. Yeah. Some of the memorable history of activities in Lawrence, you know, some of the landmark dates and activities. I don't know whether I want to get into the the burning of the Union or anything like that necessarily. But you were at the center of whatever was happening in Lawrence. And so I'm sure you have stories galore about certain days in Lawrence while you were editor of the paper and 
like John said, the burning of the Union was a big yeah. one. You know, a lot of the protests that were done in the late 60s. It's tremendously interesting. And uh, there were indeed a lot of situations that really kind of test you as to what you want to do. But if you can't tell the truth, if you're not going to be honest, what the hell are you doing in the newspaper business? When they were having a lot of trouble, I would deliberately go to work at night and open my drapes so anybody could see me. And some of the leaders in the radical came in and threatened. And I had people come in the house here with a knife. And I've had shots at either they're at, at me or somebody else very close. You lose friends. How far do you want to go? And how far are you willing to uh, say what you think is right? And uh, do you want to pay the price in losing friends? I'm not a bit feeling sorry for myself, but I think it's pretty difficult for someone in the newspaper to have really too many close friends because you're bound to step on toes or say something that an advertiser doesn't like. I had one large advertiser come up and say, if you put the story about my father in a tax evasion case, we're going to quit our advertising. We put it above the fold of the paper and made it a bigger story. Hmm. And he quit his advertising. But eventually he was back. But there were there were times I, I got sick and tired of seeing a lot of this stuff going on in Lawrence. So I invited one of the astronauts that I'd gotten to know, Charlie Duke, who went out to the moon. I had a party for him here in town and invited a bunch of people. One was the so-called leader of the street people. He brought his squeeze, as he called her, to the party. And uh, anyhow, it was a good evening after the party. And it was a lot of notables. I said, did you meet anybody interesting? She said, yeah, there was this one fellow that asked me, he said, look, this may sound crazy, but you're going to the moon. If I gave you some marijuana, would you mind taking it with you and tell me what it's like to be high on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's a true story. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, there are a lot of stories, and it, you can't take yourself too seriously. But uh, I'm embarrassed by the newspapers we have today. And uh, they're more editorializing than they are reporting the news. And that's not right. Do you think we'll ever get back to that reporter who's getting the story correct? And, and that is the most important rather than getting their opinion across. I hope so. But you wonder how far this pendulum is going to swing. I worry about here in Lawrence. Uh, it's dangerous to say, perhaps. But, you know, a small minority totally overrides the majority because no one wants to say what they should say, or we don't have good people running for office. We have weak leadership, in my opinion. And do you think a lot of that is because if you put yourself in that position, it can be a, a dangerous situation? You, you're always uh, going to have half the people mad at you all the time. I'm disappointed that the paper has no editorial. You ought to be able to say what you think without being afraid that you're going to upset somebody or lose an advertiser. Yeah, the editorials and, that are in it are all national editorials. No, they're mostly. just byline mm -hmm. opinion pieces, mm -hmm. and a few letters to the editor, and, and but not as many as there would be yeah. if you had a, a good editorial page. That's true. John yeah. has a really good story about you, Dolph, <laughs> and letters to the editor. Do you remember? <laughs> Well, I'm, no, I don't think it was a letter to, well, I guess it was a letter to the editor, but it was more of a private one. We were, well, I think we were doing one of our corn mazes, and I don't remember why we were in your office downtown, but uh, I remember you were actually sitting there, and maybe you were interviewing us because you were typing, and of course, uh, you were typing 
not not the, how I learned at Lawrence High School, uh, which I'm not very fast, but I'm two fingers. <laughs> your two finger <laughs> typing was tremendous, but uh, accurate and and got the words down. But so what did I do or say? We had been blessed to be on the front page of the paper with one of our corn mazes. And four years in a row, a picture of the corn maze that we had that year made it on the front page and, and a you know It must a fan- have been the best. Well it was it was a fantastic photo and a fantastic article and of course And it uh, helped us. It brought it, people it, it out really to the did. farm. But uh I think we maybe jokingly said, I'm sure that people are upset with you for giving the Pendletons too much publicity and the letters that you must receive complaining about the publicity that you have given us. And your response was so good. I don't worry about them. They don't sign their name. So, yeah. so you did get letters about those Pendletons. We had good photographers. I, oh, yes. We had uh, Rich Clarkson and Bill Sneed, two that stand out. They were Sports Illustrated and Washington Post and White House Photographer of the Year. You know, it's fun to have smart people yeah. and good people that are challenging. And uh, so we were lucky to have good people. Well, in, in recent years, the the Richard Gwens and, yeah. and um, uh, Mike Yoder, Mike Yoder, yeah, they're, yeah. they're they're good, good people, good photographers. I remember Will Hess. Uh huh. <laughs> good for you. And the pictures, the pictures do tell much of the story in the newspaper and and add to the written word. Karen actually got help from Jack Wilson. Uh huh. Jack gave her a couple of suggestions on questions. Fine. Jack's question was, what is it like to be retired and not have the voice, the editorial voice that you once had in the community? I don't like it. (laughs) And I do a blog. I mean, I hope somebody reads it, but at least I get something off my chest. But I answer your question, I miss it. I don't think there are probably too many people that miss me. Is there any other way that you're keeping in the journalism or... I'm no longer involved. Well, I used to have the good fortune of being on a number of different newspaper organizations, but I'm out of that now, and uh, I still read five papers a day. I had some information. I was looking at your bio on online. Of course, you're out there with all the things that you've done through the years. You've been involved with so many community organizations and you've been involved with so many projects and aspects of University of Kansas. I started making a list and it got kind of long. You were active with organizations such as the National Parks Conservation Association, the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art, the Kansas Nature Conservancy, the Haskell Foundation, of course the Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Lawrence Rotary Club, Children's Mercy Hospital, you're on the board for Lawrence Memorial Hospital, and your service to our community has been acclaimed and honored (laughs) in many ways. You were the Burt Nash Pioneer Award winner, uh, the Kiwanis Substantial Citizen Award winner. That's enough, and you're very nice. And and the Chamber of Commerce Citizen of the Year. Well, you're you're nice. But community service has been important to you. And what would you tell residents of Lawrence or any town the benefits of community involvement? Well, there are two. 
One, you're doing something to help the community. And then two, you might be surprised how good it makes you feel. But you know that, that you've done something, that you've brought some happiness to somebody, or you've improved something. I thoroughly enjoy writing letters. I mean, particularly to people that I think maybe haven't gotten a letter in a long time, except for an advertising mailing about hearing or constipation or whatever <laughs> the hell it might be. But, it's, but a letter means so much. I mean, there are things that people could do. And so uh, I'd say get out and, and get involved and in how it's going to make you feel. There's so many opportunities to do good. So many opportunities. We had a group from KU come out this last week. They volunteered on the farm, and they helped. I had a number of projects that I needed to get done, and they had a volunteer day, and they got done in two hours what it would have taken me a week to do. And I could tell by the end of that day, they all felt so good about themselves. They yeah. felt more connected to their community. I really look forward to having these same kids out another day because you know they have found us now and they want to come out. And so I just hope that the younger generation continues that service to the community that they will gain so much from it. You, you learn so much about yourself and you're doing good for others. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking back on all the achievements that you've done in your life, all the service that you've done, all the work you've done with the paper, what do you feel particularly proud of during your time as a newspaper editor that you may have done something as, as the editor of the paper that really made a difference in, in our community? Oh, I, I did things that, uh, I guess started some programs uh, that I, I think were good. I started a thing called the Big Eight Conference Meeting it doesn't exist anymore, but I got the editor and the police chief and the chancellor and about six or eight people from each community, all the big eight cities when it was big eight. And we get together once a year. So many things that were, were fun to do. We, On the Clinton Reservoir, uh, Frank Burge and I teamed up and uh, we had a picnic out where the Clinton Dam was going to go, and I had uh, county commissioners from Jefferson and and Franklin and Douglas and a few other counties to see where this watershed would be in the dam and get people and let's get it done. So I felt good about that. It's fun. You've made a difference in in Lawrence for sure. Yeah, and and the region. Get back to the book, I guess. Um, how long have you been working on? the the book and how would you describe what it is well it's gotten a lot bigger than i thought it was going to be and uh been uh, a lot of fun but the book was my daughter linda's desire and uh, the idea was to do something that my grandchildren would have if they wanted i think probably a lot of them use them as doorstops but uh but it it goes into a lot of detail a lot of stories it's you learn so much about your uh, your family and uh, granddad and my dad, but now this thing with me in it, it uh, it's a very awkward situation. How far up to present do you bring the book? Uh, right now, it's up to 2022 or 2023. Wow! As I say, it's it's gotten too big. The lady that helped out, I mean, my name is on it, and so is hers. But it's an awful lot of interviews, and it's it's current. I would say in the book, I say one thing, that if you're going to do this, do me a favor 
and all the pictures where you please put on the back of the picture who's in the picture, where it was taken, and what, what it was all about, and what year was it. And yes. we got so damn many pictures, and we can't nail them. So there were so many pictures, but we didn't know who, where, what, and when. I can't tell you how many pictures that I eventually just threw away from John's family that they had all these pictures, but we didn't know who they were. Yeah. Some of them I could tell just by what they looked like. And is there a, a Pendleton deduced, look? There's a Pendleton look, yes, there is. <laughs> there is. Um, <laughs> but, but we have boxes and boxes, not boxes, we have trunks and yeah. trunks. When I get through a trunk and all of the pictures and the letters in there, I get rid of the trunk, and that way it can't be filled up again. Uh, there's so much. But I'm very fortunate because Loretta, my mother-in-law, she went through and, and she, did a good she job. sat down with her mother-in-law and wrote down as much information as she could on the back of these, uh-huh. these pictures. But I know where you're coming from there. Our basement is just filled with pictures and pictures and pictures. We put a bunch of stuff across the street in the Reuter Organ Building when we were vacated. It had water problems, so an awful lot of correspondence was destroyed. The library wanted it all. but, but uh, Well, and those letters, you think, oh, here's another letter. They wrote letters all the time there. John's family, would they'd write letters to each other every single day and send them back and forth. And so we've been reading through these letters and every once in a while, out of one out of every 50, there's real gem in there huh. that we have found a lot of really good okay. information. And so those, even though there's a million letters and a, a million pictures to go through, they're important. Dolph, the, the title of our podcast is The Stock of the Town, Our Farm, and Our Community. And we want to tell stories about the community that we have around us and Certainly you, the Journal World, uh, the Simons family has have been part of the Pendleton community, and we want to tell you how much we appreciate oh, that. We also appreciate the fact that people have listened to our podcast and, and want to thank all of you for supporting the stock of the town and check out our website at pendletons.com and please encourage all of your friends to listen to the stock of the town our farm, and our community.